Hey, just a heads up, guys, if you're listening to this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Daniel in the lion's den. I'm going to refer to the king during the time of Daniel in the lion's den as Cyrus, and it's not. It's Darius. And so that's my bad. Um, don't want to make a huge deal out of this, but I also don't want to have some great historical inaccuracy just rolling out there in the podcast. Thanks, guys. everyone. This is Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at the Grove Church, and thank you for joining us for our Cultivate podcast, where we are currently in a series where we're working through what's called the Panorama of the Bible. We have borrowed some material from Fellowship Bible Church here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, the founding pastors there, Robert Cup, developed this you know, over 30 years ago, and it has been, it's just incredible material to kind of help us understand just the big picture context of the Bible. The Bible is telling one big story about how God is redeeming the world to himself. God, a creative, loving God has created people. People have turned from him and God is wanting to redeem and restore those people, the people back to him. And so we have this big picture story, but it is not, the Bible itself is not told in chronological order. And so sometimes, sometimes when we're reading the Bible, we, we don't, we don't necessarily know where we are, or what's going on, because it's not, again, it's not ordered chronologically. The history books are, but then after that, it moves into genre. We've got literature books and then pr- prophetic books, and all of these books tie into different contexts. And so if we can understand the story, what's going on, and then we can read each particular prof- pro- uh, prophet book or whatever, we can learn you know, who, who the author is, where, where he was, w- at what time he lived, if we understand kind of how all of this fits together. And so then too, then when we're at church or small group or something, we hear somebody reference a particular person, a particular character, a particular story. Hopefully we we learn this well enough and it can kind of just, our, our brain can like, okay, I know when that is. And so we've kind of got these 12 different sections that we've been going through and we're number eight today. And for some of these episodes before, we'll kind of do more, more lengthy reviews, but um if you've not listened to all these, I encourage you to stop right now and just go back and listen to all of them because it starts with Genesis 1 through 11, the prologue, which is kind of the intro to the story. And then the patriarchs in 12 through 50, where we get the call of Abraham, his son, his grandsons, which then ultimately become the 12 tribes of, of Israel and kind of the establishing of the Jewish people. And then they end up in Egypt um, through something that happened with Joseph and really cool way that he saved really the world, at least that, that part of the world from a famine. They end up in Egypt away from the land that God promised them and ultimately end up in slavery. And Moses comes in and delivers them from slavery, uh, gets Pharaoh to release them, takes them all the way back to the land that God promised them. They, 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 they fail God. They, they reject him. They, they become afraid. And so God says, puts a judgment on them. Hey, all these adults, you're going to have to die. We'll see, give the next generation a chance, which is when then Moses' protege Joshua takes over after Moses' death, and they come back after 40 years, and they do finally conquer the land. And then they are living in the land that God promised, not ruled by a king or anything, ruled by judges, prophets, and really ultimately by God himself. And we see them in this cycle in the book of Judges where they are rebelling against God and they and they get judged and then they they turn back and God redeems them. And we see this kind of repeat in this pattern all throughout the book of Judges. Then they ask for a king 
And God gives them a king. And they have three kings over their entire country, Saul, David, and Solomon. And so the kingdom is united there for essentially for three generations as one kingdom. And then in our last episode, we talked about the divided kingdom. After three kingdoms, the last king who ruled over all of Israel was a guy named Solomon. And then his son, Rehoboam, is set to become king. But there's some murmurs about, hey, we, we, we don't want to be ruled by a harsh king anymore. And a guy who used to be kind of the right-hand man for, for Solomon, a guy named Jeroboam, he comes and is like, hey, if you'll be cool, we'll be cool. And, like, man, I, and Rehoboam's like, I'm not going to be cool. I'm going to be worse than my dad. And at that point, the kingdom is split into two. And Jeroboam becomes king of the northern kingdom called Israel. And then Rehoboam, Solomon's son, becomes king in the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, which is the tribe, the one of the 12 tribes, and particularly the, 12, that, the tribe that David, Solomon, and Rehoboam, uh, the, the tribe that they are a part of. And so this happens around 931 BC. If those of us trying to keep track of all of this chronologically, around 931 BC, is when the, the, the monarchy is split into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And in 722 BC, the Assyrians come, and God is finally, he's been bearing with the northern kingdom, bearing with them, bearing with them, bearing with them, but they continue. If you'll recall from this from last, from last session, we, you know, there were never any good kings, no faithful kings, no one was trying to be faithful to God there in the north. But because they're God's people, he continues to try to be patient with them, but after 200 years, kind of brings about this, this next level judgment from the Assyrians. Make sure we, I mean, you know, I'm a Southern guy and, and make sure we're enunciating well. It's not Syrians like Syria, it's Assyrian, the Assyrian people in 722 BC um, come and conquer the nation of Israel. And then they are put into exile. And that's what this se- section is. Session eight is uh, exile. So we had a united kingdom then a divided kingdom. And now we're moving into a period where the, the Jewish people are going to be in exile. The Northern kingdom goes first in 722 conquered by the Assyrians. And there's a couple of things that are going to happen here that again, we we're kind of running on two different timelines to a degree. So we've got these two, really these two different timelines where the Israelites are going to, from, from the North are going to be, uh, conquered by the Assyrians, and essentially what both of these um, captivities are going to look like is where um, they come in, you know, wipe them out, take some people, making their slaves, and leave a remnant behind. Well, uh, Assyria, their strategy was, we're going to take kind of the, the leaders, people, we're going to take them out, take them into captivity where we are, but then we're going to move our people into the other place. So they would have Assyrians come and live there in what would be that northern kingdom of Israel. And so they would live there amongst the Israelite people with the goal of them intermarrying. And so the Assyrians would then marry Jewish people. And then after a few generations, we don't even know who anybody is anymore. And it was a really interesting strategy on the Assyrians' part for a different type of cultural assimilation. We're going to see something different when the Babylonians conquer the southern kingdom, 
but a serious strategy of kind of wiping out the national identity of the northern kingdom of Israel is to take their leaders, pretty much enslave them in Assyria, and then move people in to Israel in order to intermingle so that ultimately their culture would 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 fade away. And so we will see if you are if you are again if you are reading through the prophets you will see that some of these prophets will come during this timeline where you know it it will be during the time of exile you can learn that just again just by the the way that the the prophet describes it where God is trying to communicate to um his his people it's like even though you know your kingdom has been destroyed I, you need to remain, you need to remain faithful to me. You have to, you need, you need to remain faithful to me. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll see. And, and, and God making these promises, like, even though, even, even though you don't have a kingdom anymore, even though you're a conquered people, please remain faithful to me because I will at some point redeem and restore you. So that happens in Israel. And again, in the year seven, 722 BC, but what's going to happen again, to give you a little fast forward here into section nine, section nine is going to be when they return from exile. Um, but the people from the north in the, the kingdom of what was used to be known as Israel, those people, they never come back. They are, they are never sent back to reestablish a kingdom or a people in their homeland again. They are essentially, they are, they are captive, they are brought into exile, and they are never really heard from again. And all we really have left of a remnant of them is the people who stayed and intermarried. Now, there are a lot, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say this in a way that say that this is absolute historical certainty, but we'll just say that there was, there was the belief then these, that these people were, they were being unfaithful to God by marrying people that they shouldn't have. Uh, the group of people that we'll see in the New Testament referred to as the Samaritans were very often kind of identified as the people who intermarried during this exile. And so this is where a lot of that animosity comes from. It's not 100% verified that this is exactly the truth, but it is the truth that was believed for certain, right? It's what, it's what they believed. And as such, they, get kind of, they were kind of viewed as not pure. They were impure. They were, they were half I don't, again, this is going to sound bad, but again, we're talking about, we're talking about just, you know, we're talking about racism here. So it's going to sound bad. It's like they were kind of viewed them as half breeds, right? You weren't, you weren't pure and you were unfaithful to God during a time when a lot of Jewish people were kind of carted off and put into slavery and you married in and kind of settled in with the people who were oppressing us. So it was a lot of the animosity towards people more in the, what become later as Israel comes back, this Northern part or really kind of the, this animosity that comes from you know, that, uh, people being Samaritans. And so that's what happens in the North. And again, 722 BC. And you know, about 150 or so years later, in 586 BC, is when the Babylonians come and conquer the kingdom of Judah. And now we're getting far enough along here and close enough in human history where you're like, okay, Maybe like you, maybe you've even heard of some of this in history class. If you've maybe you've probably have heard of Babylon, you've maybe even heard about the, you know, certainly like the ancient wonders of the world, the hanging gardens of Babylon. You've heard these things. Uh, you may have even heard of the king who was kind of responsible for a lot of 
Babylon's prominence during this period, a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Sometimes, I know kids think this sometimes, that there's the real world and there's Bible land. I mean, Bible land exists in the real world, right? I mean, this this really happened. And some of it is harder to identify in connection with what we, what we, what, you know, secular history says, but we are to the point now where there is absolutely no doubt that any, that everybody agrees that this happened. Obviously I believe it all happened, but now anyways, so we got King Nebuchadnezzar coming to um, Judah, the Southern kingdom and conquering them. And we're going to see a bit of a different strategy than what the Assyrians had. They took all the best and brightest from, from, from Judah and took them to uh, Babylon and essentially re-educated them. Their idea, Assyrians are trying to intermarry the Jewishness out of them. This is more like what we would call in modern day, what we would call re-education camps. I am going to teach you to, not, to no longer be what you are, but to consider yourself a Babylonian rather than whatever nationality that you came from. So trying to establish a Babylonian kingdom by making everyone feel like that they are Babylonian. Um, you know, there's a, the, again, there's, I don't mean this to sound harsh or whatever, like Assyrian is trying to breed out the Jewishness and they're trying to um, educate the Jewishness out of them. And so one of the main books here, one of the main sets of stories that people know that come from this time period is the book of Daniel. And in the book, in the, in the book of Daniel, we have two stories that, again, a lot of people will know, especially if you grew up going to church, the, the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three guys that got thrown into the fiery furnace, and Daniel in the lion's den. Both of the, these things happened during this exiled period. And so King Nebuchadnezzar was the, was the king of Babylon. And the first thing that happens is like, and part of this re-education is getting them to eat foods that were against their religion. And so we'll have at the very beginning of the book of Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not wanting to eat that food. And then they, instead they want to eat a food, mostly of vegetables and fruits, things that they knew for certain that were, would be part of their, the dietary guidelines that God laid out for them. And God blesses them by their faithfulness to that and makes them stronger than the, than the other people. And so we see them, their willingness and their desire to kind of hold on to their, their heritage and their belief and trust in who the God of the universe is by not allowing themselves to get sucked into these different dietary codes. And then um, King Nebuchadnezzar is, decides to place this giant idol out there to, to, that then everyone then has to worship. And we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to do this. And anybody who doesn't do it is supposed to be thrown into this furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar, who really respected these three guys, was really frustrated with them that they didn't. And so not only does he throw them into this furnace, but he turns it up really, really high to the point to where the people who threw them into the furnace died just getting them there. But if you know the story, uh, a fourth figure, some believe to be an angel, some believe to maybe a a, a pre-Jesus Jesus, if you will. It's called a Christophany. You can write that down for later. Um, that Jesus is kind of there with them in the fire. And you know, now, now you can do this. There are there are some worship songs that maybe you're even singing on Sunday, Sunday morning where like, they, like somebody's standing in the fire. There's a fire next to me, right? 
You're like, where does that come from? Now you know. It comes from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That comes in section eight of Panorama of the Bible, which comes in the exile in Babylon. Right now you're putting some historical context to all of this, and we're just winning everywhere while we're singing, while we're studying, while we're driving around, whatever it is we're doing right now as we're listening to this podcast. And so, so again, again, we have this, this, this exile where they are taken into, uh, to, to Babylon, but the Babylonian, uh, kingdom is not the, the only, so the Babylonians don't last forever. Obviously there's not a Babylon today. They are actually conquered by the Persians, by the Persians. And that's when we kind of get to um, some of the later parts of the book of Daniel. Daniel and the lions then happens at this point. King Cyrus is king then. He is not Babylonian. He is Persian. And he establishes a rule where you can't pray to your God anymore. If you're going to pray, you have to pray to the king of Persia. And Daniel refuses to do that. He continues to pray to God every day. Again, maintaining both his cultural heritage and also his faithfulness to the one true God. And the law was such that anybody who did that had to be thrown into the lion's den. Again, the king really loved him, believed in him, was upset that he had to do this, and God saved him in the lion's den. Again, a story that is that is well known, uh, in, especially in children's Sunday school circles and in VeggieTale videos. Both of those stories, actually, the fiery furnace and um, this one are found in VeggieTales videos. If you want to know about the fiery furnace, that's the one with the, the chocolate bunny which I will not, as I have all, as I have not done the whole time, anytime I reference a uh, VeggieTale video, I will not be singing the song about the chocolate bunny, even though it is, I, I think, maybe the best one. Anyway, so this happens during, dur- during this period of exile. And ultimately, as different, different kingdoms, different kings come into um, to power, and they get kind of further and further removed from that Babylonian captivity. We're going to slowly start seeing different kings releasing and allowing some of the Jewish people that were initially taken by Babylon or their like their their descendants. Right, we're eventually going to see them allowed to be sent back to rebuild and reestablish the Jewish people, if not the Jewish kingdom, at least the Jewish people, and allow them to have a a cultural identity again, but that will be in the next section where we talk about the, um, the, the return from exile. So to make sure again, that we understand kind of what books go with what the kingship section, six and seven, first and second Samuels, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, your exile, your primary books that you're looking there, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Daniel, some of Jeremiah. This is where we get most of our, history and understanding of what is going on during this exile time. And then we're going to start moving from there to Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. These are the things that happen after some of the kings start to release and allow the Jewish people to come home. So again, to make sure that we are putting all of this together, make sure we are understanding this timeline all through the Old Testament, where there was, there was a time when God calls Abraham, they end up in the promised land, they end up in Egypt because of a famine. They have to be freed from slavery. Moses does that, takes them back to that. They are essentially self-ruled for a while with these judges, but Joshua and the conquering judges during this time of judges and prophets ruling. There's a united kingdom for three generations, David, uh, Saul, David, Solomon. Then the kingdom is split into two. 
Israel in the north, no good kings in uh, no good kings in Israel, some good kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. 722, which is where we are today, 722, the Assyrians come and conquer uh, the northern kingdom. Intermarrying happens in what's left, and essentially the northern kingdom never returns. About 150 years later, um, Babylon comes, conquers Judah, takes them into exile, tries to re-educate them, which is successful to some degree, but God maintains this faithful remnant. If you, again, if you're reading these prophets, Ezekiel, Daniel, you're hearing all of this, you're just getting this sense of just how God is keeping people faithful. And then again, it references all of these Old Testament prophecies that we'll see in other things where it's like, hey, eventually things are going to go so bad and God's going to do this and this thing's going to come. But don't worry, God's always going to maintain a remnant. And that is kind of this primary theme that we have during this exile time. This primary theme of God is always going to hold on to a remnant. Even though things are going bad, even though things really seem like they couldn't be worse, we don't have any identity anymore. We don't have land anymore. We are being punished. We're being tortured. We're being enslaved. We're being killed. We're being reeducated. They're they're trying to get rid of us. God, beginning to end, says, I will maintain a remnant. I will make sure that my name and my people will remain. So we see that. We see God's faithfulness of that in Daniel through his life, through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then when we get to the people who are ultimately going to be able to get sent back, like Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, these guys, we're going to see that God for, you know, for, for, for generations main, maintains a group of people who stay faithful to him. And so again, the kind of the, the emotional, spiritual plot here of being that even in the worst of times, God is going to remain faithful to his, to his people, to his promises, and, um, and, that, and that we can, we can always trust in that. So this was obviously in the time of the Jewish people, a very dark and scary time for them. But even in the darkest and scariest times, the faithfulness of God can be seen. But again, now we are now we are eight lessons through here as we're kind of working our way through these different sections of the Old Testament. Again, some of some of these are going to be a little bit shorter because they, even though they may carry a lot of time, they don't carry a whole lot of you know books of of scripture. But if you're really interested in this, again, Ezekiel and Daniel are your primary books there. And so we're now in exile. Come back, join us next time where we're going to talk about the return from the exile, which again is going to take us all the way through the Old Testament. Uh, which again is about you know this is this will be a Nine of the 12 are going to be Old Testament, three are New Testament, which again, uh, probably makes sense But on the chronology. Think about the thickness of the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Anyways, really glad that you're joining us. And I hope that God is using this in some way to kind of help you piece together the story here, help you understand where all of these different names that you've heard, Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, that I under, I know these names and now I can begin to understand where these different people fit. And then as I'm reading through the Bible and I'm reading about this is happening to this group of people at this time, that I'm understanding that God is helping me piece all of this together, how all of this fits, help me fully, more fully understand the power of the story and what God is doing cover to cover in the scripture. I encourage you to keep joining us back. we got a few more episodes left of this, and thanks so much for joining. And if you are here, you are local to Northwest Arkansas, we would love to meet you. You can come visit us anytime you'd like at the Grove Church. You can find out all that information at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. 
Or if you are out of state somehow and you have found us, we would still love to meet you. Go to the same place. Let us know you're listening. You can join us online. We are always streaming our second service. Whether in person or online, we would love to meet you and help you any way that we can. Thanks again for joining.